And if you have your Bibles, Joshua chapter 3 is where we are going to be this morning and into chapter 4. And as you are making your way there, uh, perhaps you can relate a little bit in that my whole life, as far back as I can remember, I have loved water. I love, I love ponds, I love creeks, I love rivers, uh, I love lakes, I love ocean, I love it all. I love water, always have. And, and anytime I'm around water, I just, I, I have to throw something in the water. Like I just, I love to see that unless I'm fishing, if we're fishing, don't throw anything in the water. But if you're not fishing, I mean, if there, if I'm around water and there is a stick and there's a pecan or there's an acorn, uh, or there is anything that can be thrown in that water to see that ripple and see that splash, uh, I'm, I'm in like, I love it. I love it. And and, and thinking about that ripple effect that happens anytime you throw anything in the water, um, I, am, I am here to encourage us this morning, from the youngest heart to the oldest heart, is that your life creates a ripple effect. And, and I, I think it's good for us to be reminded of that sometimes because uh, we can think that, that our lives kind of impact us, but the reality is, is our life has a ripple effect to it. And not just our lives, but, but our lives as a follower of the Lord Jesus. That if we, if we are following the Lord Jesus with our lives as a believer, that as we live our life for his glory, for his mission, there is a ripple effect that has an impact for him. And so we're going to see this in our text today and, and kind of this idea is that authentic faith. And when I say authentic, we all know what that is, the real thing. Like when you really, truly trust the Lord with all your heart and you follow after him and discern how he desires you to lead your life. As you do that, authentic faith in our faithful God is going to have a ripple for the glory of God. You're going to have a ripple effect in your life. And when they see your life, because you're living it for him, they're going to be like, wow, tell, like, like, tell me more about this God. It points to him, a life that points to him. Because every life that has been changed by Jesus, every life that has been changed by Jesus will have an impact for the Lord. That's his design. That's his desire. I love how Paul wrote to the Corinthians. He says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And in grace and in love, I am by no means saying believers have it all together. And I think we can all attest to that. <laughs> but the true reality is if, if there has been no change in your life, there has been no Jesus in your life. Because Jesus changes us. He changes us from the inside out. Our lives are going to look different. Because of our relationship with the Lord. We're going to look different because as we live out this love relationship with the Lord that is real and that is personal. The Holy Spirit is going to lead us to take steps of faith to trust him. And it's going to make an impact. It's going to have a ripple effect. So all our lives have this ripple effect. And so what does that look like? We're going to see in the text today in just a little context because we, we, we preached through Acts and wrapped up Acts. And uh, we're blessed to have a missionary couple with us last week and share the two Manellos. And that was a blessing. And so we're kind of jumping in this text 
um, just today, kind of right in the middle of it. And what's happening is, is the nation of Israel, we're in the Old Testament, we're in the book of Joshua, and right now, we're, we're, there are about two and a half to three million Israelites that have just spent the past 40 years wandering around. And so they found themselves now at the east, on the east side of the Jordan, and they see the promised land, and they see the promise that God had promised them. It's called the promised land because God promised it to them. Promised it to Abraham. They had an opportunity about 40 years ago to make it in. They chose to reject God. And so now here they are. And so again, just to kind of like, kind of remind ourselves what happened. If you go 40 years from where we're reading today, Moses was the leader. Moses was the leader for the nation of Israel. And he sent 12 spies into the promised land to spy it out. Two came back and they were like, and I'm paraphrasing. They're like, Man, God is with us. God is going to give us this land. It's his. Let's go. Like, let's go. Let's go. Let's roll. And their names were Caleb and, anybody remember the second one? Joshua. Caleb and Joshua. And, and there were 10 other spies that came back. And again, I paraphrase. And they're like, the land is amazing. The land is incredible. But oh my. Like, have you seen those people over there? They were fearful and they allowed the fear of man to, to prevent them from experiencing God's very best for them in that moment. And so as a result, as a nation, they rejected God's plan, God's way. And they spent the next 40 years wandering in the wilderness until a new generation, a new generation would be there and would say, let's go, let's go. God's plan, God's land, God's got it for us. Let's go. And that's where we're at. It is go time. Joshua is now the leader of the nation of Israel. God's ready to go. Joshua's ready to go. And now an entire nation, 2.5 million people are ready to go. And can I just say what happens when there is unity around the mission and the purpose of God? Look out. <laughs> it's just amazing. And so here they go, they're, they're ready to cross this Jordan into what is going to be a new beginning for this nation. It's going to be a new beginning for this nation. Joshua's going to lead them out and he's going to lead them into a time of blessing, experiencing God's blessing. Blessing always comes in obedience every time. May look different, may look different than what we think it will, but blessing always follows obedience every time. They're going to experience blessing. They're going to experience victory. We're about to read about seven nations that they're going to be conquering. This going to, just going to, Joshua's going to lead them following God's lead into victory and ultimately to, to, to lay a hold of this promise that God has for them. And so it could be today that you're like, you know what? I need a new beginning. I need a fresh start. And we see this in the text is that even today, Jesus, I believe, desires to lead us into blessing, blessing into victory. We all have those struggles, those things we wrestle with, those things maybe we don't like through God's grace and his strength. He desires to grant us victory in those areas of our lives as we surrender to him. And ultimately one day, ultimately to experience our eternal inheritance which will be eternity in him, with him forever and ever and ever. 
And so as we walk through the text this morning, we're going to see this ripple effect of faith, and it's going to start, where does it start? It's going to start right here in our heart. It's going to start in our heart before it ever makes itself outside. So let's look at the ripple effect, first of all, in our lives. In our lives, our faith is reflected in action. Faith is an action verb. Look at Joshua chapter 3. And we'll go back up to verse nine. The Bible says this, and Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord, your God. And Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you. And I just want to take a moment. I love that because we serve a living God. They're about to go into a land. They're going to face seven nations. And all of those nations serve a false God. We serve one God and he is the living God. He says, here's how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. So I want to take a moment right there and just kind of circle back around to the Ark of the Covenant just for a moment. Uh, perhaps you've seen Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay, um, here's what the Bible tells us is the Ark, right? The Ark of the Covenant. Covenant. God instructed them to build a box. It was a box. It was made out of wood. It was about 45 inches long, about 27 inches deep, about 27 inches high. It was covered in gold. The lid was solid gold. And then on each end, there were cherubs, uh, angels with wings, and they kind of bring their wings forward like this, facing each other, the wings touch. And it was, it was here that God would manifest his presence in a unique and powerful way among his people. And in this ark, Hebrews actually gives us the best description of what's in there, but there's a gold jar of manna. There's Aaron's staff that budded. And we, they had the the, the tablets of stone that Moses wrote, the Ten Commandments. But what was most significant about the Ark of the Covenant was that this was, this was the symbol, this was the sign that God's presence was with his people. And so I love how, how through God's instruction, through Joshua to the people, the Ark is going to kind of lead out and the people are going to follow. And it's this reminder that God's presence is with them. And, and can I just encourage you, as believers today, God's presence is with you. Now, we don't live in the Old Testament. I'm kind of thankful for that. <laughs> we live in the New Testament. We have the Holy Spirit, His presence living and dwelling in us. But the Ark of the Covenant, that was a precious, precious object and a symbol of God's presence. And so we look at verse 12 and the Bible says, Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe of man, and when the soles of the feet of the priests, bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. And so when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priest, bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priest bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. Verse 16, the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap 
very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan, and those flowing down toward the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho, and now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. The ripple effect of our faith always starts inside, starts with our hearts. As we spend time to read God's word, this is God's voice into our life. Spend time in prayer, seeking the Lord, being sensitive to his leadership for our lives. The Holy Spirit will direct our hearts and mind as he desires comes through spending time with him. If you were to go back to Joshua chapter three and look at the first line, you will find Joshua rose very early in the morning. In other words, Joshua gave his best. That was his best. And you may be like the early morning is not my best. <laughs> you don't want to see me when I first wake up, but we all have a best time of the day. And for Joshua, he rose early. God spoke to him. God met with him. God led him. And, and then and then he poured that into others and they followed God together. And so we see even in the New Testament, this was the pattern of Jesus over in Mark 135 says he, he would rise. He often, he would rise early in the morning, find a desolate place and there he would pray. And so he spent this time, this quality time with the father. And if we are to discern rightly what God desires to do in and through our lives, then we must spend time in his word. And so what began as a personal instruction of the Lord to Joshua, then poured that into others. And here they go. They're ready to go. And Joshua, or, or here in Joshua 3 and 4, God's working in a different way than he did at another parting of the water back in Exodus 14. If you jump over to Exodus, Exodus chapter 14, you will find Moses leading his people out across the Red Sea. Or excuse me, across, yeah, across the Red Sea. And so, so, so God instructed him, just, just raise your hands, right? Raise your hands. And as he raised the hands, God peeled back those waters of the Red Sea and they passed across on dry ground to which one, that is amazing. <laughs> Two, how incredible must that have been and mind blowing to walk with heaps of water on both sides and you're walking across on dry ground. But another thing that I think is interesting, Exodus 14, is God, God peeled those waters back before they ever took a step. It's like, all right, let's go. Now in Joshua 3 and 4, it's a different scenario. People are still walking by faith, but this time before God is going to peel back the waters of the Jordan, guess what he's asking them to do first? He's saying, before these waters are going to roll back, the, 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 the toes of the priest must touch that water. And so, so it, can, it can be a little challenging when you're not 100% sure how it's all going to work out, but you know God's calling you and you know God's leading you. And so it's almost like a step-by-step -step thing. And then can you imagine when they finally got to the water and the, the toe of the priest hit the water and the water spread back, that God's desire in that moment was that they would operate on the light that they had. And as they were obedient with each step, he would peel those waters back. And so this is the encouragement found in scripture. I love how the, 
the Bible is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. At the parting of the Red Sea, God put a big old spotlight out there. It's like, boom, here's where we're going. But here at the Jordan River, he gave them enough light for the next step. I love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And so it could be as a follower of the Lord Jesus that you know that God is calling you to take a step, a step of obedience, and it's a step of faith. And don't we all just want God to show us 100% all how it's all going to work out and pull back that water and us walk across on dry ground? But it might be that there is a step that he wants you to take. And when you take that step, he wants you to take a next step and the next step and the next step. And he's going to push back those waters showing off his glory. And it can look a lot of different ways. It could look like somebody you work with that you know that you've been impressed that that the Lord has stirred your heart to share your faith with them. And that can be an intimidating thing. And, and, and you're, 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 you're basically, you're waiting for the Red Sea to part. You're waiting for the day where they come to you and say, hey, I know you're a Christian. Can you tell me about Jesus? And that would be amazing. That would be awesome. But sometimes rather it's, it's God desiring us to take that step of faith and that step of obedience and to share it could be that God is stirring your heart to invest in a family that is going through rough times. You see it, maybe you don't know them super well, but you see what they're walking through and you feel stirred to, to, to be a blessing, to be an encouragement, but you don't want them to, you don't want them to think you're weird and, and that you're in their business. And so you just kind of sit back and you're like, well, maybe they'll come to me and share a need that they have. And then I'll do that. So you kind of sit back and you're, you're waiting to have it all, have that open door. It might be that, that you're wrestling with this struggle in your life and, and you're just waiting till maybe somebody just walks up to you and says, hey, I've noticed that it looks like you've been really sad lately or struggling. Is anything going on? And you're just waiting for that opportunity. But maybe God wants you to take that step and to reach out to somebody who you know loves and cares for you. It may be like, you know, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've heard the gospel a million times and you're just waiting. You, you plan to maybe one day, but you're just waiting for that Red Sea to part. And, and you're like, well, then, then I will. But, but maybe there's a step. Maybe God wants you to take that step today or, or maybe even a call to ministry. Like you don't hundred percent sure what that looks like. And you're just waiting for everything to make a hundred percent sense before you take a step. But, but here, God's working in a different way. He's saying, when the, when, he's saying, get your feet wet and watch what I do. That's what God's doing. I love, uh, last week, we were so blessed to have the Tuminello family here, uh, missionaries to Denmark, and they are, they're here on furlough, and so they were able to share with us. And one of the things, if you're with us, uh, if you weren't able, I encourage you to go back, listen to it. It's a great, great word. And, and they, they, they're there in, in Denmark. And one of their greatest outreaches in Denmark is a Thanksgiving dinner. So it's Thanksgiving week. And they say Thanksgiving is, is like, like they want an American Thanksgiving over there. And that's like one of their greatest opportunities to minister. And I thought it was really cool is I, I had a friend of mine this week, who's a, a member of our church that, that kind of stuck with him. And so he's at a, he works in a setting where he's around all kinds of different people and, and even different nationalities. And so not knowing where these 
guys might be spending Thanksgiving or, or might not be spending Thanksgiving, he reached out to them. And so they jumped, sounds like, at the opportunity. And so this, this, this coming Thanksgiving, they're going to have an Italian and a Brazilian join them for Thanksgiving. And I just think that's so awesome. You know, it's just, it's an opportunity. But sometimes we, we can be, we can just want everything all in front of us before we take a step. But God's saying, no, take the step. Take the step of faith and trust me. Every step is a faith step. God's saying, trust me and watch me push the waters back. Verse one of chapter four, the Bible says, when all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people of each tribe of man and command them saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly. And bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. And then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel whom he had appointed a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone on his shoulder, upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. And when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan and the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever, forever. Verse eight, and the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded. They took 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day, for the priest bearing the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua, the people passed over in haste. Now that's kind of a marathon read right there. And, and, and perhaps you have heard the story, perhaps familiar with the story, commanded to take these 12 memorial stones and take them with them. And they're going to be a reminder. They're going to be a marker. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But did you notice what happened in verse nine? There's actually two memorials that are built. I think it's interesting. The second memorial over in verse nine, it says, and Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priest bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord had stood. And they are there to this day. Now, I want you to try to put yourself, now granted, there's, there's a whole lot of Israelites hanging out, but I, I can't help but think that some did see what Joshua was doing. Like they're making their way. We're now on the other side. Let's go. We got our stones. Let's go to Gilgal. But Joshua's over there and he's taking 12 stones and he's putting, he's setting it up in the river where nobody's going to see it. Where in just a moment, we'll see as they, the priest come out of there, those waters, those floodwaters are just going to pour back over. So what is going on in that place? Could it be, could it be maybe God instructed him to, and we just don't know about it. Or maybe he felt impressed that he wanted to set up a memorial for what God had done for them. 
But what if this memorial is a reminder that their past is buried? That is so encouraging. Like you, the 40 years, the disobedience, the, the hard-heartedness, the, the like, you know, the, the missed opportunities, the mistakes along the way, like those things have a way to stay with us, don't they? I almost didn't become a pastor because of my past. I mean, maybe you can relate. You just, you think you got to have this perfect spiritual resume to like be used of God. <laughs> but yet God is always using broken people. And what's happening in this text is Joshua's building this memorial in that water. And those waters are going to, are going to, they're going to be buried by that water. And could it be that they would know that as they move forward, that this was the place where they buried their past. That this was a place, it is impossible to plow a straight line when you're looking backwards, isn't it? It really is. And so many of us are, are, are burdened and, and, and wounded and, and just our past is kind of shaped, but, but our, our failures are never final with God. Our failures are never final. And so as we set our hearts on him, they're moving into a new life of obedience. Paul, I love how he says it over in Romans chapter six, verse one and four. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who were, who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk. There it is, I love it, in newness of life. So here they are. They're moving into this promised land and, and this, their, their faith, it is an internal work. It's making its way out. And when it makes its way out, guess who's it's gonna impact first? Those who are closest to you. Those who are closest to you. The ripple effect of faith happens not only in our lives, but also in our homes. Our faith invests in others. Look at chapter four, verse 17. We'll skip down a little bit here. In verse 17, the Bible says that Joshua commanded the priest, come up out of the Jordan. And when the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. And the people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month. And they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones, which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. So it's, for me, I read the story and initially I think, okay, they've got these stones. I don't know how big they were. They got those stones up. They evidently, Joshua told them, put them on his shoulder. So they're big enough to put on his shoulder. And in my mind, you know, Gilgal's like, you know, like on the other side of the bank, but Gilgal's really about eight miles away. <laughs> and so not only are they just getting them out of the water, like there is great determination that is happening to get these stones eight miles to Gilgal which is about two miles from Jericho where they'll, be, where, they'll, where they'll be camped out. So Gilgal's a special place. It'll be the place where King Saul is gonna be crowned the first king of Israel. It's gonna happen at Gilgal. 
At Gilgal, it's where King David was received back into the kingdom after his son Absalom's rebellion. It's going to be the place that the prophet Samuel will go and it's kind of part of his preaching circuit. And he would always stop at Gilgal. He would preach. It's a, a, a sacred place. It's a solemn place. But, I, but, but notice how this ripple effect is in our homes. And I, I think that's intentional because he says in verse 21, he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. And for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for until you, for you until you passed over. And as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. And I want to lock in on verse 21. When your children ask their fathers. And I think that that's important to, 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 to highlight. Because... In our vernacular, it might sound something like, Hey, Daddy, 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 what are, these, what are these stones for? What are these stones about? And what God is instructing us to do is to use it and leverage it as a teaching moment into the greatness and the glory of our great God. That, that the home is home base for discipleship. That it's home base where our kids are going to learn to to love God and to love people and to live sent. It's the, it's the home base for all of that to happen. And I just think it's fair to take a moment and encourage our men that our kids need us. And I would say the next generation needs you and the next generation and the next generation that our kids don't need perfect dads. They just need dads that love Jesus. And so maybe uh, you're a dad and you're like, you're not even sure what that looks like, to which I would just say, just take a step. Just take a step, pray, spend time with God. What does that look like? What does it look to have some spiritual conversations? What does it look like to have a prayer time? What does it look like to read the Bible together? And I'll just say that, dads, and I speak as a dad, I need other dads. I need godly men. I need men who are further down the road, who will invest in me what God has taught them. And, and so we need spiritual fathers in our lives to invest and to pour God's truth in our lives. And call, hauling, that, hauling that rock eight miles to Gilgal, like that, that was no easy thing, right? And so it can be challenging in the, in the, the world we live in to maintain the priority. But, but I love what one of my mentors says, and I've shared it here before, is that our kids will never prioritize what we marginalize. And so as they see our relationship with God, it is designed that in the home, they will look at mom's faith and they will look at dad's faith and they will see how important the Lord is. This is where they learn. We gather as a church body, guess what? To be equipped, to be equipped and to go out on mission for the Lord. But it, the, the home is home base for discipleship. And I would just say to the oldest generation, the oldest living generation, we need you. I need you. I don't know what that looks like. It may be like retirement, emptiness, like kind of like, I'm, I'm, but like we, we need, we need godly men. We need godly women pouring into this next generation. We are blessed to have a building for kids next door. 
We are blessed to have an area of our church that is committed to students here on our campus. We need to pour into this next generation because, and, and, and trust me, like I am a, like, I'm an optimist. Like I, I, I am, I am, I am, I am all about optimism and, and the Lord doing a mighty work. But I will also say if we neglect pouring in to the next generation, that our culture will become more godless. And so there is a challenge in the home, the ripple effect of faith in the home. It begins in our life, it rolls into our homes and ultimately into our world. Our faith is a testimony to a watching world. Verse 23 and 24, the Bible says, For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that, I love it, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. And that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So God desires to use our personal walk with the Lord. To not only for us to experience him in a way that only we could as we honor and obey him, but also to impact the, the lives of those closest to us, but also those that are a watching world, a watching world to know that the Lord is mighty, the purpose to glorify God because he's worthy to honor him because he's worthy and authentic faith in our faithful God will have a ripple effect for the glory of God in our home. And in our, or in our lives and in our homes and all around the world. So, as I, as I wrap up this morning, this message has so much application. So much application. I think the, the, the loud, booming truth that we can't miss is that God is God and He is worthy alone to be praised. And we must never forget him and his rightful place as Lord of all in our lives. But then you start seeing the application points of all of that. It, it, I mean, it, it, it impacts every area of our life. So I would just say this as we roll into this Thanksgiving week, that may we be extra intentional to remember God's faithfulness. You might not literally have 12 stones in your, <laughs> in your, in your dining room, you know, but think about it. What are those spiritual markers, even just over this past year, where it has been unmistakable that God has worked in your midst and to give praise, give praise to him. His care, his love, his presence has been there all along to give him glory. I know different folks have different kind of traditions as it relates to Thanksgiving. And maybe you don't have traditions or maybe it looks different every year, but but I would encourage you, perhaps this year, if you don't already, maybe, it's, maybe, uh, maybe you just take some time to just share some why you're thankful to God. Just, just doesn't have to be a, a speech or anything, but just give an opportunity. Just give an opportunity. It might be uh, before dinner. It might be before dessert. Uh, if some of y'all are going to watch, there's evidently some football game that's happening on Thursday night. I mean, maybe it's before that, that football game starts and kicks off, but... But the thing is, is taking time to be intentional, taking time to be intentional, to give glory to the God. And it might even be that there might be someone in your world 
that they don't have a place to go on Thursday. And it could be that Thursday might be one of the loneliest days of the year. And so could it be that the Lord might even nudge your heart that there's somebody that you might invite into your home? And that in that, as you take that time and share your why, right? The why. God's grace. God's graciousness. God's blessing. God's victory. How God's work. God's faithfulness. His presence. All through that. Perhaps that becomes an environment for people to see the hope that is in Christ. That maybe they would, ne they would not see any other way. So again... However that looks like, just be, us be sensitive to how the Holy Spirit would have that work. And I'll wrap up here with one, one reference to one of the verses we kind of we read through. But back in verse 19, the Bible says this, the people came up out of the Jordan. It's interesting. It specifically says the day. It says the people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month. And they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And if you would have kept reading, you would find that on the 14th day of the first month, they would celebrate Passover. Passover is that, that remembering of that great miracle of God in the Old Testament. And how they took the blood of the, what they called the Passover lamb and they sacrificed it. They took the blood of that lamb and they put over the doorpost. And when judgment came over that land, that those who were under the blood, those who were covered under the blood, judgment passed over them. And so I, I think it's amazing that if you fast forward into the gospels on that final week as Christ makes his way to Jerusalem, that it is the 10th day of the first month. It's the day when the lamb would be presented that this would be the lamb that would be the Passover lamb. And then if you fast forward to the 14th day of the first month, that would be the day where the Passover lamb would be slain. And that here is Jesus Christ on the 14th day being slain. Not so our sin could be covered, but for, uh, but, but for our sin to be completely forgiven, removed, as far as the east is from the west. And so I would just encourage you this day that if you're here and you don't have a personal love relationship with Jesus, that God is pursuing you. God has created you for a relationship that is real and that is personal. And that if today you're like, you know what, I want to begin that relationship it begins with acknowledging that you are a sinner in need of salvation and that there is a repentant heart. That means you change your mind about your sin. This thing that separates us from God, that we, we don't like it. We don't, we hate it. We don't like it. We're not going to be perfect, but we don't like it. Repentance is turning from self and sin and turning to Jesus. And Jesus says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. And so because of the death, the bear and the resurrection of the true Passover lamb, the true Passover lamb, there can be forgiveness of sin, peace with God, relationship, and guess what? Blessing. And guess what? Victory. And guess what? Eter our eternal inheritance with him to spend eternity with him forever and ever and ever. And so may we be 
a thankful people. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this passage. Thank you for your faithfulness. God, great is your faithfulness. God, if we spent the rest of our days giving you praise for all you've done, we would not only be getting started. You are so good and you are so gracious. And so, Father, I pray that as a people who have been rescued by your grace as believers, that we would find ourselves sensitive to your leading, sensitive to whatever that step is that you are calling us to. And God, sensitive that we don't do it in our strength, but we can do all things through Christ that gives us strength. And so, Father, I pray that as we take steps of faith and obedience, God, we will experience you in a way that is fresh and powerful. And I love that there will be a ripple effect to that faith to those who are closest to us and even those who are in a watching world. And that you, why? So that everybody will know that you are the Lord. You're worthy. You're so worthy. And Father, I pray that if there is anybody here in this room or listening online that is not in a love relationship with you, that God, today would be the day of salvation. God, we love you. God, we praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, I want to invite you to stand with me. And as we sing this song, the desire of our hearts is just that we're sensitive to how God would want to lead in our lives. If that's to pray, we have pastors here who would love the opportunity to pray over you. But let's just give this time a focus and worship to our mighty God.